And we're live. All right. All cool. right. Oh, there you go. All right. Awesome. Who's taking who's taking the lead on this? <laughs> um, I don't know. I will. All, All right. right. So we are here. We've been posting memes and doing all kinds of asking questions and a lot of interaction so far. So yeah, so here we are doing the doing the conversation, doing the actual thing. So uh, Torah observance, um, or is it Torah observant or Torah observance? Torah observant. Torah observant, like I am Torah observant. Yeah. And this is the Torah observant movement. Okay, cool. All right, so yeah, I think what we were discussing before we went live is we want to make something very clear, and that is that we love God's law. Uh, God's law is good and right and holy, and we understand that. The Bible says that, and we want to just recognize that from the beginning. Like we are not, we are not antinomians. We are not saying the law is worthless and irrelevant and not relevant anymore and that we can just ignore everything or anything or any part of it or pick and choose or whatever we we recognize that god's law is right and good and holy so that's something that uh, all of it everything so that's something that that needs to be said i think from the very beginning um do you guys want to add anything just kind of on that point yeah i think um the misconception a lot of the time with the torah observant movement with the interactions we've had anyway and some of the videos we watched is they, they think that what we're saying and and I have to credit them because it is what a lot of American churches are saying is that you say that prayer, you get your ticket punched and you are good to go. Nothing else matters. You said you did the spell right. You're, you're set to go. Your fire insurance. Right. You got yeah. your hell insurance. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's not what we're saying. Uh, yeah. we, we don't hold to that idea at all. Uh, I, I think a plain reading of the Bible doesn't hold to that idea at all. So. Yeah, uh, we, we have to commend them that they do recognize that that kind of gospel is a shallow gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm saying. Some uh, once saved, always saved is taken to mean. Right. Right. Is that what you say? You're going to say, Abby? yeah, that's what I was going to say. A lot of people believe that when we're when we're saying that we're saying, yeah, you get your ticket punched and then you can go live however you want to say, say your prayer one time, Jesus is in your heart and now you're good. And that's definitely not what we're saying. Yeah, definitely not. And then I was going to just talk about how, um, like in Second Timothy 3.14, where it says the law makes you wise until salvation. Um, that's, that's a big thing. Like the law is absolutely incredibly important. And we don't need to stray from still reading the Old Testament and still reading the law because everything points to how much we need salvation, how much the flesh is, how much we need to be out of the flesh and into the spirit and how much we are actually in need of a savior. Yeah. And yeah, the, the law is, is the God's nature. Um, yeah. I mean, so Romans seven twelve says, so the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Like we believe that, like that's, that's true. You know, Psalm one, one through two, one and two says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So, that's true that's like we believe that like with our whole heart and i think um that kind of brings to one, one area and we'll get into we did actually watch some videos from different torah observant teachers popular ones and 
you know, some people are going to disagree with some and some people are just going to disagree with others, but they're the ones that get thrown around kind of a lot in this conversation. And I know there's a few uh, reform Torah observant people who don't listen to any of them. So I guess we'll have to get like another one to talk to you guys and see where you're coming from. But one of the big one things that stuck out, um, is, Abby, you were saying that the whole Bible is pointing to how much we're depraved, how much we need a savior, how much we can't, you know, whereas the Torah observant idea is that Jesus is pointing to the Torah rather than the Torah pointing us to a savior that we need. So that was what one big chasm that I think we have between where we're coming from and where they're coming from. Um, so you were actually in that. So can you explain like kind of how that works, how that idea is fleshed out? Yeah, I think it just comes from having the impression that like we walk as Jesus walked. Well, Jesus walked out the Torah perfectly. So we need to strive to walk out the Torah perfectly. And Ezekiel says that so we could obey his commands. And so um, we take they, a lot of people take that as he puts the Torah on our hearts. Um, I watched a I watched a video from uh, Triumph for Truth, and he was saying how in the Ezekiel verse, he takes out our hearts and put in a new heart. And that gives mm. us the heart to want to. And then he puts in the spirit, which enables us to walk out Torah, which I mean, uh, I think when when we were talking about that, we kind of talked about how in order to say that we would have to say that the people in the Old Testament. Oh, oh, we got to freeze. <laughs> oh, she gets back. <laughs> yeah. Um. He loves the law. So it, to me, that seems like he had a heart to want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. You, start you kinda, start you back kinda, up. Yeah. yeah. You froze a little bit. Start back where uh -oh. you said the people of the Old Testament <laughs> and then go forward from there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the people of the Old Testament. Okay. Where, where was that? When the people of that he gave the, the, the want to and then the right. yeah then spirit yeah right and the people of the old testament they continually wrote like definitely throughout the psalm psalm 119 is all about how much he delighted in the law and loved the law and so in order to say that when god took out our heart of stone and replaced replaced it with flesh now we have the want to you would have to say that the people in the old testament didn't have that want to and it seemed to me that they really did they mm. delighted in god's law Right. And, and then, that was the David was the man after God's own heart, you know, a man like unto God's heart. So he had to have had that desire. Right. Right. And then another thing he said was that the curse of the law was death. And I mean, that would that he eliminated the curse of the Jesus eliminated the curse of the law for us, which would inevitably be saying that everybody in the Old Testament was dead i mean that they that they're from transgression law because we know that old old testament israel failed at the law they were divorced they completely disregarded god's law so if that were the case and jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law then that means they weren't redeemed from the curse of the law putting them in total death even with faith which would still again be pointing to the torah and the law being unto salvation right yeah. So a uh, quick comment and just notice right now, Ernie says that uh, my specifically, but all, I guess all three of us too, this could work for all of us. Uh, our eschatological views can't be established without understanding the old Testament. So like, th that's a good point because we do hold eschatological beliefs that are dependent on the old Testament, right? Like that's the view that we hold can't be devoid of old Testament. And I, I, that's not just true of our not eschatology. An iota dot will pass away. Right will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. And a lot of people say, well, not all is accomplished. So the Torah still stands. 
when in reality that saying like the Torah and the prophets still point to things until all is accomplished. The Torah and the prophets point to the second coming. They point to Christ. They point to everything up until everything is accomplished. Yeah. So yeah, I would agree with that. That's good. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I kind of want to make sure we get to is uh, how we were talking about uh, a lot of the interactions we see something that's brought up is uh, this assumed continuity of the Old Testament uh, to uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, and because this one I wasn't too familiar with as far as uh, like Paul making animal sacrifices after post-cross, uh, post-resurrection. Hang on, sorry. I'm going problems. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, post-cross, post-resurrection, Paul's making sacrifices. He, he circumcises uh, Timothy, but not Titus. He shaves his head. So all these kind of things that I was like, okay, well, he, the animal sacrifice is one that was, was one that I hadn't considered before as far as, like, Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. Why are they making animal sacrifices? Like, why would he do that? Why would they he go to the temple? Uh, why would they just con continue to do that? So and I didn't, every time I asked about it, it was like, look it up or Google it or like, <laughs> or, you know, or like, it wasn't like a, like a real solid, I guess, exegesis of, of that and that proving that everything still stands and is still required and is still applicable and all that. So and, and I don't think it is, but we do see this assumed continuity from the Old Testament law of the Torah to the New Testament. So do you guys want to speak to that a little bit? Or, I mean, I've got some verses, but if y'all want to like, jump in on that. No, keep going. Keep going with it. Yeah. So Ephesians 6, 1, children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Um, this is the first commandment with a promise. So do you see Paul like talking about uh, that? That's a law. That's part of the Torah. Children, you know, obey your parents. And First uh, Timothy five nineteen, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. You know that's not some new thing. Like it wasn't like okay, the Torah's gone, so now we got to make up all these other rules. So, hmm. well, you know, okay. let's say let's make up obey your parents. No, that was always there. That was that was there before. You know, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. That was there before too. And so they're they're bringing they're continuing this on. Um, and then in uh, Matthew 18, 15, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And then, you know, if he doesn't listen, then get, get a witness. And then if it doesn't, then go before the church, you know, so there's this escalation and that's how it was before. So, um, you know, and, and then even, uh, well, I'll do, let's, yeah. So first Timothy five eighteen, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And the labor deserves his wages. So, and that was talking about more like, don't let the people working for you starve or the, the things that are producing things for you rot or decay or uh, starve, basically just the people that you know, are working for you, don't let them starve. So, and he's applying that, he's making a point with these old animal husbandry laws as if they still apply. And because they do. And so we, as new, under the new covenant, have to deal with situations like that of like, well, he, you know, we see Paul doing that, talking about muzzle and not, what is that? Is it, it's an Old Testament husbandry law of livestock, and he's applying it in, in, as a fact to the situation. So as if it's still valid, and it is. So there is this continuity of the assumed continuity 
between the Old Testament Torah and into the New Testament, into those things. And then the most striking uh, would be when in Acts 21, 26 says, then Paul took the men the next day, he purified himself along with them and went to the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. So an offering being presented for each one. Of them. So they went in, in and went to the temple. Um, that it's, I think it's so, it, it took me by surprise because it's such a minuscule thing to read so much into. Right. And I think that's kind of what's being done is that they have this one verse where Paul went back to the temple and made an offering. And it's like, Oh, see, that's a norm. That's a required uh, commandment that we should still live by and, and, and still doing those things. And I just don't think that stands up to proper exegesis and context of what's being done there and how we should apply that to normative practices for Christianity, for the, for the church under the new covenant. What do you guys think? No, I think that's all. And the, the, that is one that gets brought up a lot also with Timothy circumcision, just the idea that like, well, Paul was holding to these things. So therefore this must be something we should hold to. But I think looking at it that way, that simply like, well, Paul did this, so we should do this is discounting Paul's whole evangelical method. Like uh, yeah. we were talking about how he says, you know, when I'm with those who don't keep to the law, I don't keep to the law. When I'm with those who live as a Jew, I live like a Jew. So that by all means, I may reach, reach some people like his, mm-hmm. especially in Acts 21, because the whole thing was the, the accusation that he was abolishing the law, that he was, you know, teaching the Jews to disregard the law. He was basically, there was this friction between, oh, there was this friction between him and the Jews at the time. And so his, his, the way I would look at it and tell me if, you know, if you agree or not, the way he decided to resolve this conflict so as not to cause division in the body was to limit his own freedom in order to, to humble himself basically before these people so that he could keep that unity with the body and be able to minister to them as Jews, meet them where they are rather than forcing them to come up to where he is, which I think um, Christians are guilty of a lot. We do make that error. We try to, even with each other, um, we try to live in our liberty rather than humbly submit some of ours to each other. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, same thing with Timothy. Why would Timothy be circumcised if he didn't have to anymore? Well, because of his cultural context for him to do what he needed to do properly and be seen and received as a brother, it would be helpful for him to do that as opposed to, well, they did it. So you should do it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in Hebrews, when it talks about how the old covenant is vanishing away, a lot of things that we don't realize and that I definitely didn't realize was I mean, after Christ was crucified, 33 AD, the temple didn't fall until 70 AD. So you had a bunch of people that were used to going to the temple, making the sacrifice, going out to the synagogues on the Sabbath. And so they were almost in this bridge of like trying to balance both of them. And I think that in, in essence, that kind of worked towards their advantage because they were able then to go to the temple and go to the synagogue and make the sacrifices and reach and spread the gospel to the people that were still um, under the Jewish law and still practicing under the synagogues. It was, it was um, I guess, like a window of being kind of an overlapping of both of the covenants together. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't, I mean, the, the Jewish Christians were still not completely separated from the Jews at the time, like that, that division hadn't fully happened yet they were right for the most part just seen as another sect of jews until the jews themselves put them out of the synagogue when they were pushed out then it was like okay this break has happened we can't go to the temple we can't go to the synagogue we're completely separated at this point yeah 
So, yeah. Uh, so on that, on that specifically between uh, Timothy and Titus, Timothy being circumcised and Titus not being circumcised, um, I found an article by John Piper and he was talking about that. And he goes through uh, Acts 16, 1 through 3, says, Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of uh, by, uh, by the brethren at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because the Jews that were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So he's saying Titus was pure Greek. Timothy was born of a Greek father and Jewish mother. And Timothy has been, uh, was, was uh, well spoken of in Lystra. So, he, so there, was a, there was a cultural concession, I guess, to that, as far as like the pure Greek person has no reason to be circumcised, right? There's no reason that he would be, uh, you know, someone has a Jewish mother understand. And I kind of saw this as like someone who maybe it was Catholic and, and this goes for the temple. This goes for, you know, why they went up to the temple, all those things, uh, in, in, in acts as like, say someone was Catholic, you know, the whole grew up Catholic and they became Protestant and they're like, okay, I know that mass is not safe. I know that we should not be, uh, praying to the dead. So, so you know, he's, he's saying, I know that that's, that that's wrong now. And then his uh, grandfather dies. He's not going to go to the funeral at the mass at, you know, the, the Catholic church, you know, so he would, and I think he should. And, and so that's kind of the situation I think we're seeing here is like something you've come out of, but grew up in is there's still going to be something there culturally, uh, socially, relationally, but not uh, as part of the church now it's not something as part of the faith any at all and that uh, practice that's not that's not to be done but you can still make these concessions sort of for family and um and to go back and i think that's sort of the situation with at least with timothy and titus seems to be with uh timothy's uh jewish mother so that, you think that's a fair comparison as far as like used to be Catholic and you go back to grandpa's funeral kind of thing. Like, yeah, I mean, oh, he's going to Catholic church. It's like, well, <laughs> no, he's not. He's, you know, he's, he's going back for this one thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, every funeral I've been to <laughs> somebody's Catholic and it's like, well, I guess we got to go to the thing. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, um, like you were saying, like he had that cultural divide this was part of his culture like he's going to go to these jewish people he's going to be seen as a jew but when they receive him and they find out he's not completely living under the law that puts a barrier between them like it, it cuts off and we see that happen multiple times like when the when the when peter and paul have their clash it's because peter isolates himself from the gentiles to fit in with the jewish people so there was like that still cultural friction that was hard to get past so for Timothy to reach them, it was going to be easier to submit himself to this and just for their sake, be Jewish. Yeah. But yeah. by no means was the rest of the church. Like you said, Titus had no reason to No, Nobody was going to hold that against him in any way. He was a Greek. Why would he be? And he wasn't circumcised, but I've had conversations with some people that are Torah observant that say that he was later, which I mean, was kind of adding things into the text because right. it never says that, but yeah i mean there's there's even that verse that talks about um i can't remember where it's at julian you always talk about it too where it's talking about he says um if you, if come, you were right if you come to the lord circumcised stay that way if you come uncircumcised stay that way and this is yeah. where it's really interesting because we kind of had to dig into this he says because the circumcision means nothing but keeping the commands of god does 
so that's where it was like whoa what is he talking about what does that mean and we kind of we we did a lot more wrestling with our own belief system i think this week than we <laughs> had planned on <laughs> rather yeah. than just studying theirs because there's a lot of of misconceptions um, yeah the big one if you want to get into it a little bit because i i was guilty of saying this all the time is the division of the law yeah that was one thing that was kind of a, a reality check for for me at least and it, it sounds like you guys too uh, of that being how we like to separate the the law into three parts, you know, the moral, the the civil, and the ceremonial. So like, well, there's the moral law, and then there's a the civil law, and there's a the ceremonial law. And they're all kind of different and separate. So the ceremonial laws don't apply anymore because those were like the dress rehearsal for the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate temple, the ultimate thing, you know, uh, that being Jesus, and those are fulfilled in Jesus. So uh, all the like animal sacrifice, we don't do that anymore because we have the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ, right? So that so that's a ceremonial law that doesn't apply anymore. But like the civil law is something that is there to uh, you know put murderers to death, put put rapists to death, and in in civil order and the civil magistrates kind of thing, how to run a government, a society, and everything. And the moral law is like our conscience of like what we know is right and, and what to do. And uh, come to find out, that is not the way to do it. That's pretty much like, <laughs> that is like, it's, it, Wrong. It, yeah, it's all, almost like uh, dividing up the Trinity into three uh, beings instead of three persons. So, you know, and I think that's something we've kind of, you know, everyone's kind of, Christians kind of wrestled with before of like, well, how do you, uh, what do you liken the Trinity to? Oh, it's like an egg where it has the, the yolk in the white in the shell but it's all one egg or it's like like nope <laughs> and it's like that's uh or it's like it's like water you know you have it's a liquid a solid and a gas in different forms so sometimes it's a liquid sometimes it's a solid sometimes it's a gas and it's like oh now you've just committed the heresy of modalism so <laughs> and, you know and so that's that's kind of how I'm feel, i was feeling convicted with how we look at the law but then like everybody that we were kind of studying and, and, and listening to weren't really saying that when i go back to listen to things uh the in in pastors and in books and things that said that they didn't really say that they didn't say divide it up and i think that's just something we've kind of assumed and just kind of gets thrown out there like the water and egg analogies of the trinity it's uh it, we were we found out it's like the the difference between the distinction and division mm -hmm. so like the, right. there's three distinctions of the law but not three divisions and john calvin put it as the three uses of the law but it's the law. He's not saying the three parts of the law or the three categories of law or whatever. And it, we, we had to face the, the hard, the hard fa uh, fact that we had to face was that you cannot get a biblical. It's not biblically solid to say three parts, civil, ceremonial, moral. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that, to, that TO people have said to us that we're like, you know, you just don't know. <laughs> but it's true. Like it, yeah. you cannot build a biblical case yeah. for separating the law into three parts like that now there are three uses of the law of the same law but not uh not like here's the civil laws here's the ceremonial laws and here's the uh moral laws like it's it's you can't build that case biblically so yeah. that was something that you just have to admit <laughs> and there was that podcast that we listened to that was talking about how you know if you want to separate them into moral civil and ceremonial well god gave all of the laws so really all of them are moral or the sabbath yeah. it's ceremonial Sabbath, moral yeah. and yeah it's it can be all three circumcision where would you put that and so that, 
you know, that goes to James where he says, if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all of it because all the law came from the same lawgiver. Yeah. And I, I think we just kind of like brush that off in a way and like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, whatever. But it's not, not actually a full grasp of like uses, right. di distinctions versus divisions. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. Right. So we have to make so. a concession to the TO, the TO group. You were right on that. We were wrong yeah. on that. But <laughs> yeah. so I, I and we tried, you know, one of the things we did try to do when we were watching the, these different teachers, uh, we watched uh, Messianic Torah Observing Israel. We watched uh, 119 Ministries. We watched, uh, what's the other one? Triumph and Triumph Truth. Truth. Triumph for Truth. Triumph for Truth. And we tried to find common ground. Like we, we really wanted to see, one, what they were saying, and two, where we could agree to find out what it is where we're actually disagreeing. Uh, with some, it was more blatant than others, but we'll get to that. So one that I think we all kind of disagreed that we don't, I, I mean, I, I want to say we don't have any common ground. I don't know if you guys want to say it too, is uh, MTOI. Well, before yeah. we get to that, I watched, the first one I watched was, uh, what, Steve Simmons or I forget yeah, his name. Simmons. that's him. Yeah, yeah GC uh, Simmons. G, yeah. So he, I, 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 I was texting these guys, texting Julian Abbey while I was watching. I was like, I'm agreeing with like 90% <laughs> of this so far. Like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm having trouble figuring out like what I disagree with entirely. Cause I expected like this heresy right. and right. Like the spewing off, but it just sounded very reasonable. So one of the things that is maybe just a uh, superficial issue that I had was, <laughs> and this, I still don't understand this, the translating of new Testament Greek into Hebrew because he kept, he was going through Romans and he was talking about Shaul, Saul, and not Paul. He's like, he's, you know, we say Saul, and then he changes to Greek Paulus, which is Paul, and then he just called him Shaul the rest of the time. And, and that, that just like, I don't know, it's just one of those little things that just like bugged me so much. I'm like, why, why are you calling him Shaul? Why are you saying Shaul and Elohim and Yeshua? And uh, it's like, okay yeah you, i guess you can but it doesn't it doesn't make I, I will say it doesn't make sense for english-speaking people to translate greek text into hebrew for for doing their bible study and exegesis and hermeneutics and things it's just I, just a linguistic uh unnecessary speed bump that we're kind of just putting <laughs> you know, putting in our own way so i mean it's appearances it's it's the uh, depending I, i've talked to different people who have different out there beliefs some say that it was written in hebrew and we just only have the greek or you know just things like that that are unsubstantiated but it gives that, it like this elevated i don't know i can go into that could be a whole podcast <laughs> of uh, yeah abby told me that well some people think it was written hebrew it's like i don't even know like how like where to start with that like it's just not it's like these people are like jesus is satan that we see on there yeah, like, yeah. what are you talking about i don't even know how to start with you like oh, that's just not true it's it, it, it's it's oh it's it's in the same camp as like flat earth it's like i just don't know where to right in with you like this like is just at so, the foundation it's so just facts that we have are not just, <laughs> we don't have any Hebrew manuscripts like that's just it like we have, uh you know we have the uh minuscule and the uncial and greek and like oh i just can't even it just bugged me so much to talk about just, just translating into hebrew Anyway, so, so. This, the same guy that you were talking about, I, I never got his name, but uh, I, I did Simmons. watch one of his videos about, yeah, Simmons. I, was, I, I watched this video about uh, 
our great high priest, right? And like you said, when he's talking, I'm like 90% there with him. Like, I get what you're saying. I'm clocking with you. Like, you know, just what to say, what not right. to say. Just like, you're getting there and it's like, okay, that's, that that checks out. You right. Know? On first hearing, it's like, okay, okay, this isn't <laughs> blatant. Yeah. Uh, one of the problems I did have was he has this idea of, and I, I nobody get offended, but I said it was more of like a Catholic idea of at the moment you're saved, all of your past sins are forgiven. Yeah. But going forward, it's possible to lose that and have to get it again. And uh, it, it brought up one of the issues that I saw with the issue of the, the uh, mediator. Christ is a mediator. His role is mediator. Different camps see it as different things, I guess. But Simmons saw it as an attorney, whereas the mediator is the one that argues your case to the father. Now, the, the area where I saw that he was right is he was saying, not on the basis of what you do, but on the basis of what he did, which I would agree with, right? You know, when, when we're saved, it's because Christ's righteousness is counted to us, not our own. Yeah. What I disagree with is that he's not acting as our attorney going forward, constantly pleading the case yeah. for us. So that was one I mean, area where there was a discrepancy. But even that, it's like, yeah, he kind of is, but it's not as if you lost it and he has to regain it again for you. Because that is the Catholic thing is that, that Christ is constantly dying for you in the mass. Right. The mass is constant. Yeah. Constantly breaking the body, constantly shedding the blood in the sacraments. And that's, there's just this, Jesus is the perpetual victim. And he's right. just this, this, he's, his only job is to just sit in the corner and die. And for our sins, <laughs> and, you know, and yeah, <laughs> that's just and not here. Correct. Here it's a little bit different because it's not that, but what it is, is almost like constantly having to remind the father, like, Hey, I made the sacrifice. It's all yeah. good. I made the sacrifice, which, you know, what, I, I think it's funny because it gets things kind of out of order. Cause who's the one that, that declares righteous god is mm -hmm. you know uh, who can lay any charge to god's elect it is god who justifies yeah. so I, I i saw that missing in in his idea of a, of a mediator is that well someone is laying a charge to god's elect and christ has to go argue that case over and over again rather than being mm -hmm. justified that yeah. that was strange to me you don't even see a charge yeah. right and then we were kind of talking about how if that's not the case and he does not acting as attorney he's more acting as mediator which would mean that he's um kind of going for our settlement what's our settlement like the christ righteousness or he's intercessing for our prayers i mean it's over and above like you said who can lay charge to god's elect um nobody nobody right. it's god that justifies so he's right. intercessing on a different way for his people other than sin which I, I mean i feel like that's a lot of what torah observance goes back to is not necessarily understanding that christ paid the debt fully on the cross like his sacrifice was 100 percent good enough so he's intercessing in a different way now for his now that he's dealt with sin i mean because it says in hebrews and i think it's the end of hebrews 9 that when he comes back he's not coming back to deal with sin he's coming back to raise up his people it's not he's already dealt with sin for his sheep now others you know unbelievers absolutely they'll be judged for their sin because they aren't covered in the blood there's a distinction between those covered in the blood and those right. not covered in the blood and it seems like even in american in the american gospel and in america in general there's no distinction made between the sheep covered in the blood and those not covered in the blood it seems like they're all continuously put in this group together whenever we are redeemed cleansed i mean we can come come with a clear conscience before him now 
Right. And that's the, that's the meat. That's the uh, mediator. We can come with a clear conscience because peace has been made between two parties, us and God through who, through Jesus and his sacrifice. He's the yeah. peacemaker. He's not the attorney. He's not having to calm God down constantly. It's no, the peace has been made. Right. So that, that was, that was one point where I did, ha I did kind of find a, uh, a little discrepancy and uh, you know credit to him he did seem like the most level-headed and nice guy of the group like he wasn't he, he doesn't seem like a terrible guy to talk to yeah, yeah. Re rebecca rebecca asked do y'all believe he is our high priest yes absolutely yeah fully 100 percent. but i think i think um and the only different way that we see it is that he was our high he is our high priest but it's not something that he's having to continuously make sacrifices for himself over and over again to, for our sins continuously. We, yeah, we right. saw it as um, he, he perfected all those being sanctified with his one sacrifice. Right. Yeah. The, the blood yeah. of bulls and goats could never do. Right. Yeah. He brought the sacrifice to God. Yeah. And it's not, priest. you know, the thing about the high priest too, is that he's not the high priest in the Aaronic priesthood. He's the yeah. high priest in the Melchizedekian priesthood, which is a higher pre-existing priesthood, right? Yeah. Before yeah. Abraham made homage to him. So yeah. it's a different function. It's a different role. It's a higher calling. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. That was something I, I just recently kind of dug into a little bit more is, is looking at that Melchizedek. Cause it was like, you know, from, from, I forget which side Mary, or I think it was Mary. He's from the line of David. So he has that Royal, uh, right. right. And then it was the, uh for the from joseph's side i guess was the lineage from the prophets right or like mm -hmm. there's like the 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 uh the the king and the prophets and then the priests and so he, he was the lineage of uh Melchizedek. and i was like well what is that who, who like so it's not levi uh, he's not from the tribe of levi so he can't it's not a priest but it's from Melchizedek, which is higher than levi right so i'm like oh okay wow that's awesome so and it's, yeah. it's uh, Hebrews 9 in, in 12. It says, he entered once for all into the most holy place, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. And so he himself secured eternal redemption. Eternal. Yeah. Eternal redemption. Like it, it's done. There's no yeah. more work to be done. The work is finished. Right. It is. Yeah. Finished. This is something I was, I was kind of thinking of, uh, just kind of when we're all in this, in the, in the uh, as I'm studying and gearing up for the Catholic debate uh, next next week. Um, just thinking about just kind of my head has kind of been in, in that with Catholicism in that idea of you drop it, you get it back, you drop right. it, you get it back, you know, you lose it, you get it. And so I, right now, uh, I, I, I thought of this because right now my car has an oil leak. So, <laughs> so when I saw, I was, I was getting an oil change and they're like, Oh, you know, you can come back, you know, cause it's free top offset Valvoline or whatever. So you can come and, and just top off, you know. Just keep, just keep coming. Don't wait till 3000 miles. Just keep coming. Cause it's free, you know, just, just come in and top off the oil, you know? And I was thinking, shouldn't I just get it fixed? You know, <laughs> like that would probably be better, right? Like you're right. I can keep coming back and, and getting my oil topped off for free because it's leaking out and it's going to deplete and I have to, you know, can't be without oil. So just come back to Valvoline every, you know, few weeks or so and top off. You're right. I could do that. Or I could just get it fixed and I don't have to keep doing that. And it's done. It's I'm not leaking oil anymore, right? And so I think that's the difference between like, especially with like the Catholic Mass of like coming back, 
for the re-up, coming back for the top off. And it's like, wouldn't it be better? Man, I wish there was a sacrifice that stuck, you know? <laughs> wouldn't it be great if we came to mass one day and we got the, uh, got the bread and wine and said, you know what? This is it. This is the last one. This is going to be the good one. And it's going to keep you for, for the rest of your life. That'd be really nice if there was a sacrament that did that in there, you know? Like, well, there was <laughs> Christ sacrifice right. on the cross. And that, that's so freeing because it's not this like keep coming back for the top off. It's like, just fix the problem, fix the thing and you're done. You don't have to keep doing that anymore. So yeah, it's just something I'm just kind of thinking about the idea of losing your salvation and getting it back. And I think the, the, the thing about that is that like the Torah observant crowd doesn't see um, that they don't see that work permanent because they don't see it carried kept and finished by god right they see it carried kept finished and guarded by us which if that's the case yeah absolutely we'd lose it two seconds after we got it yeah but by our our works right but the the fact that it's carried kept completed he who began a good work is faithful and finished god is the one who the endurance is from god that's an act of God. The faith is an act of God. All of this comes from God. That's why it's perfect. That's why it's complete. That's why it's finished because it's not dependent on us. Yeah. And that, that's the only yeah. reason that it is that way. Yeah. And I think that if, if somebody was standing in front of God himself and he said, look, I'm going to take you and I'm going to conform you to the image of my son, mm. then would they turn around and be like, well, I guess I'm going to keep on sinning. No. I mean, they would take him at his word when he said, I'm going to conform you to the image of Jesus, Jesus Christ. I'm going to make you as holy as he is. Then we would understand that, that of course, we're going to falter. Of course, we need to repent. Of course, we're going to feel conviction. Mm. But we're not, what does it say? We know that those are of God's seed because they're not continually and continually and continually sinning. He's sanctifying us. And I think that's a big thing that a lot of people, and even in the American church is missing is sanctification and what God's doing. He's literally building his church and washing people clean and conforming them to the image of Christ. And that's something we can never do. And so when we see it as God doing the work and not us doing a work, that's that's one that's one big place that i found peace like a big time peace because i was always like crap am i really saved what do i need to do to be saved you know and that's and that's what i think a lot of tour observers are coming from the most sincere hearts of wanting just to obey wanting to please the lord wanting to you know what i mean so i don't Mm -hmm. think they're coming at it from like we need to obey the law I mean, there have been people that have been like, you're a lawless and you're just lawless and going to hell. (laughs) But I don't think that a majority of them started off or are that way. They come from a sincere heart of wanting to obey, which just, okay, I'm, you know, the American gospel is okay. You're saved, said a prayer. Now what? And every, everyone, I mean, I think all three of us have been left like, okay, well now what, what, now what do we do? Yeah. And we get pounded onto our heads so much that the works don't save you. Works don't save you works or it's all faith it's all just belief it's all just like in your heart and you know as long as you just believe then you're good you don't have to show any works they're not going to save you they're not going to help you whatever so then i just pound and it's like all right well i do works like are you right you know <laughs> I, I said that prayer one time at church camp when i was a kid so uh i'm good i'm just gonna live do whatever i want to do and we're good it's like mm, no that's not and, and it's like well you said no works you said it wasn't works right so there's that thing of like works will save you but you need to work you know (laughs) but works are required so and and it is that and i have i've seen people that we've interacted with on here talk about the law of liberty and how it's freeing and just like i've never felt so free following god's law it's it's the opposite of what you think it's not 
this legalism. It's not this pharisaical, sinless perfectionism, whatever. It's 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 you know, I find so freedom and I delight in God's law and stuff. And that is true. That that's something that is true. The the idea of the law of liberty, because uh, my pastor put it this way one time, talking about like uh, a, a kite. You know, a kite needs a string to fly. And because, you know, if you, if a kite is on a string and it's in the air and it's flying, and it's catching the wind, but it's because of the tension on this, on the kite that it's staying in the air. But if you cut that string, it's not going to stay right there doing cool tricks and stuff. It's going to go straight to the ground. So it's only when it's tied down to the, to the string that it's actually able to stay in the air and yeah. be glorious and awesome and wonderful. So, and that, that's the idea of the law of liberty is that we have this anchor that, is good. We, we, we need these restrictions. These, these restrictions and limits are good for us. They, they allow us to flourish. They allow us to uh, have some sort of order in what would otherwise be chaos and stuff. So that, so they're right. There is a law of liberty. There is delight. There is uh, flourishing. There is joy. There's happiness in God's law. So that's something we can't uh, negate either is like, that is true that we have this anchor that, that actually helps us flourish right so I, the christian life is a life of perpetual um repentance perpetual perpetual repentance because you're, you're never one you're more aware of your sin the the, yeah, the further right. sanctified you are right uh, you're, you're more aware of how sinful you actually are the small things that before were like well that's you know what is that it's not a big deal it becomes you know when you when you see sin as an offense to god it's uh it's like um the psalm after after the incident with bathsheba when David says, uh, against you and you alone have I sinned, like in, in the temporal sense, obviously he sinned against others, but he understood that the ultimate problem with his sin was that it was against God. It was an offense to God. And that sanctification drives you to that point to realize like the, the, your sin is not just something that you do to somebody else. It's an offense to God and his holiness. And that's perpetual repentance. You know, it's the, the, the tax collector in the temple, have mercy on me, a sinner. Like, you know, that's like we said, the Torah observant crowd is right when they're opposed to the American gospel that says punch your ticket and you're good to go. Like, right. we agree with you. We would be as opposed to that idea. And the only alternative, the, the, but, but T.O. is not the only alternative to that. It's not American prosperity, health and wellness gospel and T.O. It just right. isn't. You know, the fact there's a few more, more before we get to T.O. <laughs> Like well, I mean, new. <laughs> part of the problem with that is that church history is kind of ignored in yeah. modern context. I, I've, I've talked to some people who are Torah observant people who would say they're comfortable saying that the entire history of the church between uh, the apostles and us was wrong and we got it right. Like all, we can discredit all of that. It doesn't matter. They were all wrong because this is how it's supposed to be. And there's just such a lack of wisdom in that idea yeah. of like all the fathers, all the apostles, all the, all the, um, all the reformers, all of them, they got it wrong, but we yeah. got it right. Yeah. Everybody wants to be part of the generation that like changes the world and, and just like we, we've created new truths, new futures and new, you know, like something that hasn't been done before. It's like, you've heard of the Judaizers, right? Like that was in the Bible <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> uh, and and that's one with. of the things too that i, I kind of wanted because we we talked about this not with you guys with the other people i talked about when christmas time was coming around and one of the things that i said was like if if you feel like you should not celebrate christmas because it's sinful in some way if it harms your conscience don't do it yeah and that is fine i have no yeah. problem with that 
And uh, the same token to somebody, if, if they feel like eating clean in the Torah sense is a good thing for them to do and eating pork is sinful, by all means, please yeah. continue doing that if, if that's what your conscience feels. Yeah. The problem comes when they say, and if you do not, then you are in sin and you are not saved. And basically, there's no evidence that you're saved if you're not keeping all of the 600 and plus laws of the Torah. That's where the real problem comes in. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a discussion we I had. That I think y'all were part of too with somebody who was talking about a Christmas tree. Who I guess was like super against the pagan roots of, of Christmas and was just like no way. And it was causing tension in their family and like. Mm -hmm. You know, I still can't bring myself to put up one of those darn trees, you know, and they were just having a real hard problem, but they knew it wasn't wrong. They, they knew right. that okay, I wouldn't be sinning, but it's just, you know, I can't just to put it up in the lights and just draw attention to it and just like put our gifts in front, you know, and it was really like still hanging her up. And I was saying like, you know, I think idolatry is a little less obvious, you know, than, than a tree with a bunch of lights on it. Like that seems like an idol. I think <laughs> I, I'd be more worried about the idolatry of self and your self-righteousness mm. and not having a Christmas tree, because I think that's the more subtle way that, that, that the enemy gets in and causes us to worship an idol that we don't see. Right. And, and right. that's not it's like, that's something so obvious as like a shrine, a, a tree with a lights on it. stuff. that seems like more of an idol than your self-righteousness. So you, you gotta be careful of your self-righteousness of not having one. Right. And, but then, but then I say, but look, if it, you know, like I said, if that's causing you to sin, I don't have a tree. Like if it really is like causing your heart to like stumble, and you're going to feel like you're going to worship this tree. Don't have one. Don't. You don't have to have right. a tree. Like that's, you know, that's okay. It's perfectly okay. And if you're going to worship your diet over what, like by, by not eating keep kosher. Just if that's going to cause you to, you know, worship bacon, you know, like, <laughs> which gluttony and people do worship food and find that as a thing. And so look, yeah, if that's going to become a stumbling block for you, then don't just, just, abstain from it. that's fine but don't it's think it's saving you don't think it's it's adding towards your your salvation or, or your righteousness uh, other yeah or that other people aren't because you're not they're not observing either that's i mean that was what john said when he was baptizing was don't say we have abraham as our father if god wanted to we could raise stones up to be sons of abraham he doesn't need you that doesn't do anything for you so I, that, that's really the problem and on that note is where we get into mtoi <laughs> Because MTOI is fiery and harsh and rough and also wrong. But all those other a huge, things. There's a huge difference from watching the Triumph for Truth with Simmons. Yes. And then I was like, okay, cool. I agree with like 90, 95% of this. You know, they're speaking Hebrew and uh, it says <laughs> the Sabbath has to be on Saturday. So I disagree with that. But everything else, you know, and he would say like, you know, we, you're judged. You're going to be judged by your works. And I was like, ah. and he's like, because they reveal what you have believe. It's like, oh, that's true. <laughs> so, so, you know, so okay. those, those, those like all the whole time. But then, yeah, then I watch the MTOI. I'm like, this guy is off the rails. He's, from Jump Street. Oh, my gosh. Total complete, complete detour from, from that. Is it, so, do you want to start with this video that, that yeah. we got queued up? So this yeah, was one I just want to. I just wanted to remind people that we are going to go back and get to comments. I know we have quite a bit of comments, so that we're going to come back and read all those. Just wanted to yeah, remind yeah. everybody. We will address those. And we might even pull up the page from this week and get into some of the uh, some of the stuff that was on there. Let me. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a lot of that, yeah. too. And uh, I know that a lot of people do follow this MTOI, and I hope that um, 
for anybody watching now or if anybody that comes and watches it later, just really listen to what he's saying in this video because I don't, a lot of people that I've talked to and had discussions with don't even believe what he's saying, if that makes sense, which you'll see in the video. So right. go ahead, Julian. Let's put this guy on. Now in all that we are going through. All right, I'm sorry to- So for anyone who didn't hear that, the question was, how do we have assurance and hope in all that we're going through. Um, I'm assuming this is for someone who's still observant, who's struggling with that. How are we sure of salvation? How do we know we're saved? So going forward. Pick on whoever just said that, but that comes from a weak Christian, once saved, always saved mindset. By weak, I mean, you do, you do not want to own your responsibility to get there. Okay? And I'm sorry if that picks on you, but everybody needed to hear that because some of you were in that same mindset. You loved it when you didn't, when it didn't depend on you, because that made it a lot easier. Okay? He calls you, the rest is on you. He'll help you, he'll strengthen you, he'll be there for you, but you have got to do the doing. You've got to make the choices. You have to do the walk. Okay, so let's stop there pretty good summation of what he's uh what he's all about so it's all you it's all on you he'll call you he'll help you but you better do it i don't i'm not sure if i've actually ever heard anybody say the rest is up to you it even be serious about it like with conviction like that like what a statement like that's insane <laughs> like, it just, just like, it just really took it to a works-based salvation to a yeah. completely works-based salvation from jump street and that was when um I, I watched another one of his videos where he also talked about what the intercessor is and it was mind-blowing what it was because he sees the role of intercessor as a role of a corrector that the point of jesus was to show up tell us how we got it wrong and then show us how to do it correctly. Uh, the, the quote I got from him was in other words, because you've chosen the path, you've merited favor in being delivered. So you merited that favor, that grace, that grace is merited to you. You deserve it because you've made the right choices. Which it is was, almost like Catholicism. I mean, yeah, you, the, you, the you get bank of merit. Yeah. The treasure right. of merit. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, that was the most blatant one. So I don't, I don't know if there's any play. Play the rest of that. Play the rest <laughs> of that video. It's only five minutes. Let, let's pull it back up. Okay, let's go through let's it. And up. because this guy, he needs to be seen. <clears throat> you still have, still on? Yeah, it's yeah. Going he's not going to sit you in a metaphorical wheelchair and just wheel you right to the kingdom door while you do nothing. And sit you in the high chair and feed you. You do have an assurance. You are assured that if you do the best you can with all your heart and with all your might, you'll be fine. He's Mormon at this But point. you must do it with all your heart, with all your might. And you know when you're twisting and bending because you don't really want to do exactly what he said. Or you don't want to not do exactly because you want to still do some things that you think you should be able to do, even though he said no. So you're going to bend and twist it and get yourself in trouble. But all of you should have, see, this is like when I did the Are You Safe teaching, and another teacher told me it was the most depressing thing they'd ever heard because it took away the, the eternal security. I'm sorry, but it just doesn't work that way.
no scripture, no exegesis. I promises you can stand on that Sorry. if you do the Vahafta, if you do the two great commands with all your heart and strength, if you do the Vahafta, which is to love Yahweh Elohim with all your heart, mind, and being, and to walk this out, how do you do it? Keep it as frontless before your eyes. You keep it evident in the things that you do with your hands. It should be evident when you lie down and when you rise up and when you walk by the way. And you should love your neighbor as yourself, which is in those instructions, because loving him, it pleases him when you love each other. Why do you want it? Do you want a contract with a guarantee sealed and everything? Why do you think the Holy Spirit is? Sorry, I'm not like, that's that's literally, person, he literally says anything? a guarantee. The Holy Spirit's a guarantee. Uh, yes, we want that, and we have it. <laughs> and, and Jesus gave that to us as a guarantee. Is down payment. Like, I, this is just so insane. Like, this oh, a metaphorical wheelchair puts you in your high chair. That's another thing, too, that it's not just with the T.O. people, but it's with a, a, a lot of uh, synergists, free will people, anti-sovereign God people, that they, they don't see themselves as little children. That's a problem. Mm. And, and you say, oh, you're in a high chair and feeding you food? Yes, <laughs> that's what you are. You're not an equal partner in this agreement that you made with, with God. We are in a covenant that he fulfills, mm. that he makes. And it, it, we're not, we reach up with an empty hand of faith. That's it. That's all we can do. And, and that's, that's not doing anything. And it really is just this like, well, we're creating the image of God, which means we're pretty much God. <laughs> and we can come into this agreement with him and do our part. It's insane. Like you, you're, you're not, it's just, we don't see, this, think, you, they don't see themselves as little children and, and they're just mocking it as they see yourself as a, as a child of God. And it's just disgusting. And I think where, uh, where he says, if you just do it with your, all your heart and all your mind, and all your soul, he's saying like, if you try to do Torah with everything in you, even if you mess up, he knows you're doing it. Well, Scripture doesn't say that at all. Paul and James both both said, if you mess up with one part of the law, you're guilty of all of it. So that mm. means if you're trying to keep Torah and you're being like, I'm, I'm doing it to the best of my ability. God knows my heart, even though it's deceitful among all things. But if I'm trying to keep Torah to the best of my ability, then he, he's happy with me. And that's not the way it is. If you're trying to keep Torah and you're not doing one thing, then that means you're guilty of all of it. He doesn't, he, that, anything that you're doing for Torah cancels out. You're guilty of everything. And so yeah. I think that that's a big, that's a big thing he's saying is like, just try to do it with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Well, there's nothing we can do to be like Christ. Christ fulfilled the law. He came and walked it out perfectly. We are not Christ in any way, shape or form. And I think it's almost crazy that we think that we can be, you know, walk as he walks. Sure. What does he say? I command you to love others. I, what are the commandments? Believe in Christ, love others. But we, there's no way that we can fulfill the law like Christ did. We are not even half worthy of that stature at all. Yeah, it doesn't say try to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind. <laughs> it says love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. So right. that, yeah, and, and, and to people say that we like, yeah, I have. I, I really want to find out, and this is, again, this isn't just with T.O. This is anybody who thinks they can lose their salvation along the way is, what is your day like? <laughs> how, long, how, how long do you go before you sin, right? And this, this, this goes to, like, this was Martin Luther's trouble in torment was he just wanted so perfectly to be sinless, and he just had to keep going to confession and have, having to, you know, confess his sins to the priest. And so he would, he would be there, confess all his sins, and then be leaving confession, going back to work, 
and then he would see a monk not scrubbing the floors and think sinful thoughts about that monk and literally turn right back around and go back to confession because he just didn't even get out the door before sinning again. And again, it's like, what does it actually look like? Is that you're just constantly losing it? That's just an insufficient sacrifice. Well, that's where the caveat comes in though. The the idea that, well, if you're doing the best you can, then it's like, they they have to, I I, know, but they have to have the caveat because I, I, I want to know if anyone who believes that you can lose your salvation believes that they have ever lost their salvation. Yeah. Because sometimes I feel like when they say, when they say you can lose your salvation, you can lose your salvation. Yeah. Well, which is true. It's like, yeah, I can lose my salvation, but I'm not the (laughs) one holding on to it. Right. I didn't give myself salvation. I can't take it away. You know? So like, that's only God. And he said it would not let, you know, not lose any of the fathers given him. So, right. and that's because our assurance is in his grip, not ours. If it's, all, if it's up to us hanging on to God, we'll lose our grip and let go. Right. But it's not all what time. it is. He, we're not hanging on to his arm, just kind of trying to like cling on. We, he is holding us in his mighty hands. And that's the, that's the assurance, assurance of salvation that we have, that he's holding on to us and he's not going to let go. So it's not up to us. If it was, we would lose our salvation. That's true. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean... We watched some 119. Um, 119 to me really just seemed like dispensational Christianity. I didn't see any real like distinct differences between that and like just generic dispensational Christianity. Um, so I don't know. And, I mean, and I think that I feel like um, a lot of people that are Torah observant are looking for the third temple. Are mm. um, and that's what I was kind of telling y'all earlier. I feel like. I feel like our charge and our command is to be God's workers. You know, we're over here. Christ is the cornerstone of the, of the temple that we're building apostles and the prophets as the foundation. And then we are the living rocks, you know, we're over here spreading the gospel, like trying, trying to spread the gospel so God can reconcile his build more rocks. And I feel like that's what kind of makes me sad is because a lot of the TO people are over here looking like, well, there's going to be a third temple over here. And this is where it's all going to go down. And this is where the law is going to happen. And we're missing out on what God's doing with his temple now. You know what I'm, you don't know what I'm saying? No, yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's like the, that's the same mistake that the American church has made for so long. Like the right. the church is waiting so long to be saved by Jesus coming back. Like he's going to come get us any minute. Don't, don't keep working. Forget about this stuff. Don't rearrange the furniture on the Titanic. We're getting out of here. When in reality, it's like, no, do uh, the parable of the talents. I think he's forgotten so much. It's like, he's not asking you to do a lot of work, but he's asking you to do work, show some increase while he's gone. And when he comes back, that's going to be given over to him. Like, as opposed to what we're doing is like, well, we're just hanging out until. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. And I, you know, like it discounts the idea that the, the church is the body of Christ. Like we're the temple, the Holy spirit is in us. We are the, we're the temple of God on the earth right now. Yeah. I think um, I have a few verses here. First Peter two, five, you are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifice, accepting to God through Jesus Christ. First Corinthians 3.16, do you not know you are God's temple? Second Corinthians 6.16, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And that's citing Leviticus 26.12 and Exodus 29.45. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 28. Now we are the body of Christ, but individual members. Um, and that's another thing too, is we're like, we, 
God, God doesn't need us to rec- God doesn't need us to spread the gospel. If he wants to save yeah. his people, he can, but he is so incredibly gracious and in allowing us to spread the gospel, allowing us to mm. be his workers. It says we'll receive our wages for what we do. And that's something that we should be grateful for. Like we don't, he doesn't need our help, but he's allowing us to be a part of his redemption, redemptive plan. And I think that's something that's so beautiful. And when we're, when we should be over here building, you know, spreading the gospel and trying to build these living stones, I feel like some people are over here like, well, what about Passover? Well, what about pork? Well, what about, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? They're, they're, and and, and like I say, I understand that they're coming with a sincere heart. I just feel like we're missing out on what Christ is doing now, looking back at something that pointed to Christ the whole time. Yeah, it's like they're looking for, they want to be more serious about their faith and, and not just fall into this cultural Christianity, this American prosperity gospel, but they're going about it in, in, in an equally superficial way, right? So like mm-hmm. there's prosperity, health and wellness gospel, and oh, no, that's terrible, that's bad, but we're going to be, we're going to follow, try and follow the law and the festivals and the, and the kosher and circumcision and wear this and, and, and do this. And it's like, that's just as superficial, like, the law is for earth. The law is for the world. That's, that's, that's for things of the world. You know, with what we were talking about before the distinction between law and the gospel, the, the law is for like how to conduct one of the laws was do not boil a, 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 a baby goat in its mother's milk. Like, okay. Like what, like, what does that have to do Easy. with the gospel? <laughs> like, okay, done. Like, cool. But what does that have to do with the gospel? And, and like, how do we, like, I want to love, I want to, I want to, fulfill the, the you know follow god in that it's like okay i got that one down that one's okay like and it's it's, it's just it's it's for how to live it's for how to live in a society on earth and that's fine but what i don't know it's just it, you know whereas the gospel is christ's work you know the all, all everything in every every pastor in the bible and uh, talks about the law talk about do this and live right and don't don't do this and live or do this and die Right. And so like even from the uh, the Garden of Eden, the, the knowledge of tree, uh, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, do not if you if you eat the fruit of this tree, then uh, you will die. Right. So like you do don't eat it and live. So that's the law. So the law always says do this and live. The gospel always says Christ did this. Yeah. Christ fulfilled this. Christ did these works and, and, and did these things. Uh, so there's a difference there of like well, the law is is like what we do in, in in the gospel is what Christ does and that's what we should be focused on more is what Christ does I mean Christ like in that and um, yeah I don't know it's just like it's, it just seems like an equally superficial path and that it doesn't have to be that you can you can have you can follow God sincerely and love His law and love Scripture and and not worship it I guess worship the law in in a, in a way I guess just. Well, I mean, even going back to the beginning, like you said, the, you know, eat the tree, eat of the tree and you will die, right? Or don't and you will live. And they ate of the tree and attempted to cover it up themselves by doing something. Yes. They attempted to do a work yeah. to, co- to make themselves acceptable. And it wasn't good it enough. Was God had to do the work. They got found fig leaves and, and covered themselves. So that right. was their immediate reaction, just like we all want to do. <laughs> it's like, well, I, I'm ashamed. I'm, I'm, I've sinned. I want to cover it up. That's a good feeling to have in a good uh, sentiment and notion to have, but anything we do is going to be insufficient. From the beginning, they covered themselves in leaves, and that was insufficient. God covered them in skins, in animal skins. The first sacrifice, of blood had to be shed for right. their sin. Right? They didn't die. The animal died in their place, and that was I mean, the first it- animal sacrifice to cover their sins because they sinned. They were insufficient to 
cover it and blood had to be shed with the first animal skin to cover them in that so and it's interesting that the torah it's torah observance and it's like look at abraham and we should understand this like the idea that like you said you know god doesn't doesn't need us to 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 preach the gospel god called abraham himself god kept the covenant with abraham himself both ends of the covenant were dependent on god not abraham when Abraham goes to take Isaac and he says, where's the sacrifice? Abraham says, God will provide his own sacrifice. Like everything in the Torah is pointing to the fact that God is the one that keeps. God is the one who establishes. God is the one who carries. God is the one who sacrifices and is sacrificed. But for some reason, we keep going back like, no, there's something we have to do. We have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, yeah. it's, I can understand. I, I don't know if, if I believe people when they say that it's not heavy, that it's not. You know, that it's, oh, it's easy. It's delightful. I love it. Like, I don't know if I believe them when they say that because I cannot imagine the kind of stress that comes with the idea that I have to do something to be holy. Yeah, I watched watched my Torah observant friend in tears many times, like struggling, like, okay, what is, what is in the Torah? What is in the Talmud? What, what am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? What are the rules at Passover? What are the, you know what I mean? And it was, I mean, and continuously she would say that she delighted in it, but it also brought her a lot of stress. And I think Mm. that um, you know, the, what is it? Colossians two sixteen, and it says, do not pass judgment on anyone for food or drink festival and new moon Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, these are a shadow of the substance. When I was in Torah observance, yes. they taught me, if you go on to that next verse, it talks about um, the angels. And so when I was in Torah observance, they taught that all of that's talking about a pagan practice. And really like once I stepped back and looked at it and I saw a comment on here saying that they think that um, abstaining and eating clean is spiritual. And that's like what, you know, even in Romans, it says, if, if you, if you feel conviction of eat, of wanting to stay away from pork, then do that. But at the same time, you can't sit here and give people, um, you know, you can't hassle people saying you're lawless by not doing this because right. we all, right. And so what they taught and um, was that all of it was according to being pagan. And if you look at it, I mean, pagans didn't have the festivals. They didn't have the new moons. They didn't have the Sabbaths. And pagan things surely would not have been um, a substance and a shadow of the things to come. The substance was Christ. Pagan things, the substance wasn't Christ. So it's definitely talking about the new moons, the festivals, everything from the Old Testament. It's not talking about the pagan things. The angel things might be. There may have been pagans worshiping angels, but this is talking about the substance belongs to Christ. And Mm. there was no substance that belonged to Christ with pagan traditions, but only from the Torah and the Old Testament. Yeah, I like that shadow and the substance, you know. And, you know, I've heard it said that that it's, it's like the dress rehearsal. That was the dress rehearsal and and christ was the real thing that's the show that's the real why are we why do we go back to the dress rehearsal the training wheels the 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 ramping up to the real thing we have the real thing you know we we do have sacrifice christ and that's the ultimate sacrifice so yeah it's um yeah it's it's crazy um one thing and maybe maybe we'll end on this and get into uh comments yeah, uh, get the comments. when we're going through all this, I, I, I was looking for different ideas from this from maybe the other side to see what other people thought about this. And one of the ones I found was Dr. Michael Brown, who if, if you guys are familiar with him, he's Jewish Christian. Like he's if there's an Old Testament question. I'm going to look for Dr. Brown first. Good Hebrew scholar. Yeah. Yeah. Great Hebrew scholar. Non-Calvinist. By Non-Calvinist. The way. Yeah. Not even in our camp. And I'm still like, he knows what he's talking about. Um, one of the points that he made was when it says that Jesus is the end of the law, the word end 
is telos and it doesn't mean what i had taken it to mean it doesn't mean this is cut off this is done away with this is no more end is goal end is destination so mm. the law was pointing and leading to jesus the whole point of the law like it says is to be a schoolmaster to show us our sin jesus is the goal of the law the point of the law is to get you to jesus the point of jesus was not to get you back into the law the law was to point you to the savior that was the whole point of that and i think that's what the torah observant crowd hasn't for whatever reason hasn't gripped onto that the idea that jesus wasn't pointing us back all of that stuff was pointing us forward like yeah. he's the yeah. goal of everything and I, and I just want to capitalize on that a little bit because in ephesians 4 11 it says that um, he gave us the apostles the prophets the evangelists to equip the saints for the ministry for the building of the body so there's there's a purpose in in the prophets there's a purpose in the old testament and that's what did jesus say when he sat down and he showed them everything that was in the word he showed them who he was by everything mm. that was in the old testament we should be able to um, i think i heard jeff durbin say this one time we should be able to go up to somebody that's jewish and show them jesus in the old testament everything like mm. you said is pointing to jesus that's why we have the prophets that's why we have the old testament is because everything should revolve around jesus and point us towards him instead of pointing us back towards the law which revealed our sin when christ redeemed us from our sin and that's what he yeah. said to the scribes and Pharisees. He said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life, but they speak of me. Like yeah. that was the he is he eternal made. life. Right. Yeah. He is eternal life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yeah. Like that's the point. At, yeah. At, it's like you're saying that, that, you know, the end, the tell us like it's, it's, it's like saying Disneyland is the end of our trip. Right. Like, well, that's the trip. That's where we're that's going. That's the point. You that's know? the goal. Like that's to get there yeah it's the end but yeah it's awesome we're getting there yeah <laughs> so funny. uh look at these comments a little bit one that just yeah, came up this comments. is a good one rebecca jade hoover said can you guys talk about the fear of god what does that mean to you so, beginning of knowledge and wisdom right the fear of the lord is the beginning um i like to use and you pointed out to me solomon actually the narnia quote when they talk about aslan and they're afraid of him because he's a lion and, you know, the little girl asks, is, is he safe? And they tell her, well, no, he's not safe, but he's good. Like God, he's the king. Yeah. right. To, to a human, to a sinful human being, God is not safe. That's, you know, when Isaiah sees him in the temple, woe is me from an unclean person who lives with unclean lips, who lives among unclean people. And I'm undone because I've seen the Lord of hosts. Like God is not safe to the natural man. It, yeah. it is death automatically. And that, that, that's a question that, 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 understanding it that way like should we fear god that that's misunderstanding who god is and who we are mm -hmm. and you know yeah I, yeah i love that in, in chronicles of narnia yeah she's like it, you know she's they're scared is he safe and he says no of course of course he isn't safe he's a lion and it's like but he's good he's the king and so you there's 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 safety there even though it, it's like of course he's not safe he's, he's not you don't control him you're not going to tame god you're not going to like rein him in and to be housebroken or something like he like he is god and he's he's the king and so but but in, in taking it to like a i think biblical extreme you know if he rips someone to shreds that's good that is this his will and his purpose it's like what that oh that can't be you know because it doesn't fit with what i think is good or, or what you know i agree with like sorry this is god's world and, and everything he does is good 
Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a fear of that, but it's a, it's a reverence and a honor mm-hmm. and respect, respectful fear. Um, and, and just knowing who we are and who God is. And that. I think, okay. you know, that, like you were talking about earlier, not seeing ourselves as children. Uh, sorry. Yeah. It takes on a different role too. Cause like, you know, as, as a child, I was, I feared my father, but not in the way that I thought he was going to kill me. <laughs> he was going to discipline right. me. Yeah. But I understood that he loved me and that was, there was a difference there. So yeah. when we, when we don't see ourselves as, as children in relation to God, like we don't understand that fear, that respect that a son has for a father. Like it's, it's yeah. a different, and it's different than the way that a, a, a person who's not a child of God should be, should fear God. Like, yes, they should be terrified of the judgment of God. Right. We should not. It's a different relationship at that point. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, Rebecca, yeah. Rebecca said there are prophecies that still need to be fulfilled. And I would, um, I would say all of us agree with that. We, we are not denying that. And Rebecca, I think that, um, and I know that you've heard Matthew five eighteen used a lot to say that the Torah still stands where it says not iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. And I think that's exact, exactly what it's pointing to. It's saying that there, there are still things in the prophets. There's still things in the old Testament that are to be fulfilled and the, the law and the prophets won't be void until all is accomplished. Meaning like there are still things that are coming to pass. There are still right. things that they are pointing to prophecies that they are pointing to and it won't be done until all is accomplished this isn't the resurrection so we're still right. waiting like it's not done right um let's see anna i can never say her name right annalena uh we can't be like christ not from birth until death right but aren't we to be transformed into the image of christ through sanctification yes the the problem in the question is the idea that we can sanctify ourselves I think that's where the misconception comes from. Like we would agree, yes, we are supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ through sanctification. The mistake is that we're not the ones doing that. God is conforming us to the image of his son. And he is completing a good work that he has began in us. Yes. So he, he, he is the yeah. author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith. It's yes. the, in, in Ephesians, you know, pre, we are his workmanship created to walk in good works preordained before the foundation of the earth. Like those good works that we're doing are only because he set those up for us to do. That's yeah. why we're able to do them in the first place. I liken it to footprints in the snow. Like mm. he's, uh, he's already done them and we're walking in those footprints laid out for us. We're not making the imprint in the snow as like a totally new good work coming from the goodness of me or whatever. It's, He's done these, he has, he's laid these good works for us out that we should walk in them in those footprints that he's already laid out. And so we have that to do, but we're not making the indention in the snow. He were following it. Right. And there's that, that's still that fundamental misunderstanding. I think that we, that a lot of people think that we can even do good that, you know, that anything in us is good. And it was one of the things that, um, the first guy Simmons brought up because he brought up, you know, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness using that to imply that we need to continually come and be cleansed but it, missing the first part that if if we say we have no sin we make him a liar and the truth is not in it the light is not in us like the the we have to be aware that there's not a point where we can say i am sinless i've i've done it i've mastered it i figured it out i'm good to go like that point does not come in this life in the, yeah. in the next life when you know perfection glorification when that's all completed but sanctification is an ongoing process until the point of death i don't think any any solid 
you know, believer of the past would have died thinking I did it. I made it. I sanctified all the way. I don't have anything left to finish. Right. But I don't know. That's, that's a whole other thing. All right. Well, I think we hit the end. Uh, I feel like we covered some ground. Maybe we missed a little, there was a lot to unpack. There's, it's such a dense ideology and there's so many different perspectives to come from uh you know this is probably part one of and we'll pick up more as we go forward um any tour observant people please hit us up in the messages let us know what you thought where you think we missed where you think we could understand better uh we're always open to dialogue especially the reform tour observant people that's one that's really a head scratcher for me so if you guys want to talk about it please do yeah, uh, Ernie said uh, there's one that he was talking. He said guarantee of what? I'm guessing he's talking about how, uh, like, do you want to guarantee? I don't know what that question was, Ernie, about like um, a guarantee. It just says a guarantee of what? And I'm guessing that it was talking about how the Holy Spirit is a guarantee for us. So Second uh, Corinthians one twenty to twenty one. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Mm. That, that video, that MTOI video, like really like <laughs> made me mad. Like it was, it was crazy. Like it, at the end of it, he's, he's saying, you know, you got to do the work. So you do your part. And uh, d- did you think it was going to be easy? The greatest gift ever given eternal life. You think that'd be easy? No, you got to do the work and you got to do it till you die. Oh, too bad, you know, but you got to do it. And you think it would be easy? And I was so mad. I was saying, no, it's not easy. Mm. Christ had to die a brutal, humiliating, shameful death on the cross to, for that eternal life. It, it wasn't free as in just nobody paid. There was bloodshed for that and for that grace. And that was Christ's sacrifice on the cross. So to say someone like, oh, do you think what is he? And to think that we can do that. You think it would be easy? You have to do it. No, it's been done and we couldn't do it. Like that is just such a mis like understanding. It's a, it just spits in the face of Christ on the cross. And it, that like really made me mad. Cause like, no, it wasn't easy. You idiot. It, it was just it, Christ. Have you read what Christ, what Christ went through on the cross? Like you think that's easy. That's what, that's where eternal life comes from. Not our good deeds. And man, that just like was just so insane. So, um, yeah, that that video was was nuts. So I feel like you were not was, happy about that. I was not happy um, about that. <laughs> really, it was like, yeah, it was bad. I wanted to last. Uh, I think we're probably about to be done, but I wanted to touch on Rebecca's last question. She was saying, mm. "What what do you believe? You know, from the Torah goes over to works." And I think that, um, like, I think it's in Corinthians when a Paul when Paul's saying, um, "I want." I planted Apollo watered, but it's not anyone that waters your plants as God's make it grow, but we are God's workers. Um, we are God's, uh, filled. Like we are in, we are in the field working and it says, whatever we, whatever we do, we receive our wages for our labor, but that whatever we do has to be based on the foundation of Christ. Meaning that the gospel is the only thing that's going to be on the foundation of Christ. It's going to be salvation to somebody's soul. So if you're telling somebody do not eat bacon and they go and they eat, they don't eat bacon, but they're not telling anybody about Christ and they're not Mm. giving anybody eternal life. You're not, you're not speaking eternal life through Christ. That's not going to be built on the foundation of Christ. So I think that, um, and in first John, 
first John three twenty two. it says, whatever we ask, we receive for him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abide in God and God abides in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Mm. So he's not saying, um, do his commandments, go back to all the 613 or only the 613 that you can do. He's saying, do his commandments by having faith in what Christ has done and spreading that to everybody because the gospel is the only means of salvation. Mm. And so when we're producing fruit, our fruit is helping people reach eternal life with the spirit aiding us in that. Mm. Like I said, he's using us to reconcile people to himself as we spread the gospel. If you're not spreading the gospel and you're not spreading what Christ is doing and you're only talking about Passover, you're only talking about pork or you're only talking about a paraffin on your roof or being unclean for seven days, then that's not that's not spreading that's not giving them the foundation of Christ alone and what he's done to heal us permanently. Mm. That's perfect. That's a great way to end it. That's great. like perfect last thought to think about and and takeaway with that was awesome that was really great thanks everyone for watching and for liking the page uh share the video if you can we would love to have more interaction uh and we'll we'll keep posting this week we'll see we're going to come back with next week but thank you everyone for so next week we do know what we oh yes that's right on that so So, go ahead ahead. do your thing (laughs) uh we got uh just these these facebook comments you know just kind of going back and forth and we get with people and facebook comment thread is not the best place to have a discussion like this where we can talk back and forth to someone. This is all three of us. We all believe the same thing pretty much. So uh, we, we, we definitely want to have more interaction with opposing ideas. And that's going to happen next Wednesday, the 26th. Uh, I'll be debating uh, a Roman Catholic person on Sola Scriptura, specifically Sola Scriptura, right, Julian? It's not like... Yeah, specifically all... on, the, on the topic of Sola Scriptura. Okay. Yeah. So I will be de- debating like this, Facebook Live, face-to-face. Uh, it will be uh, opening statements, cross-examination, back and forth, formal, not shouting over each other, not just like f- Facebook fighting, comment thread, million people jumping in and, and whatever. It's going to be uh, a formal uh, moderated debate uh, between a Roman Catholic and a Protestant Calvin, Calvinist Christian, um, a Reformed Protestant Christian, uh, me, about sola scriptura, scripture alone. And um, that being the final rule of faith for Christians. And so it would be me and uh, this guy named Alex, the Roman Catholic guy, really nice guy. Uh, but yeah, so we've been kind of, how long ago was this, Julian, that we've been? Oh, it's been at least a month that we've been talking about. A month, month, yeah. month and a half, we've been, a half up, so, been talking yeah. about like, hey, let's do this. And then we try to figure out a date and time. So next Wednesday, same time, <laughs> same place, <laughs> the time and place, same time, same place, uh, 9.30, Wednesday, the 26th. Um, next week will be, uh, that's the next video we're going to do is a, is a formal moderated debate between Roman Catholic about Sola Scriptura. And so, we're open to other debates in the future too. We hope to have more. So, if, you know, if, if somebody wants to have a, to- a Torah observance debate, let's we, set it up. We definitely will have a Torah observant person on here <laughs> and, and have, I don't know, be a formal debate, but just like at least a discussion. Least a conversation. Of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least a conversation for someone to, and of course it's going to be, oh, he doesn't represent me. Oh, he's not really, well, you know, I mean, look, that's just, it's never going to happen. So uh but yeah so we definitely want to do that um we already had some people kind of reaching out wanting to come on and and talk and like kind of disappointed that they didn't have us on this time but um yeah so we don't want this to become the anti 
Torah observant podcast, but right. <laughs> we're definitely we're gonna have uh, that. It really is the idea for this, this this live video podcast thing is to have opposing ideas, uh, sort of faith on the fringes, the things we don't talk about in Sunday school and Bible study. Um, so we're gonna talk eschatology. We're gonna talk soteriology. Um, mm-hmm. We're talking about God's law, which is already kind of out there. Um, but yeah, we want to talk about all these sort of things and with opposing ideas and actually have people well represented, no straw men, no ad hominem attacks, like idea versus idea. And that's what we're, you know, doctor versus doctrine, theology versus theology. That's what we were, we're looking for here. So, um, yeah. So next week's going to be, uh, we're gonna have a Roman Catholic on talking about soul scriptura. So that should be fun. Hopefully we get you guys there. We'll be updating all week. So keep up with us on here. Like it if you haven't share it, if you can, and, uh, we appreciate it. So thanks guys. Thanks. Bye, See guys.